I mentor many males and many females of all ages to start and scale their business to make, manage and multiply money. And today I'm absolutely delighted. Someone who's so busy, it has been a struggle to get into this man's diary. I don't quite know how to bill Rob Moore. I mean, on the surface, an incredibly successful entrepreneur and businessman, but also social media personality, large digital profile, very successful podcast with amazing guests on it. The type of man that would work with you once and buy you an Alexander McQueen shirt. That's what he's like. <laughs> and if you think that's a metaphor, think again. Rob Moore, welcome. <laughs> hey, Russell. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Hi, thanks for coming. Yes, of course. I should, of course, mention that Man Baggage works different to other men's talking about men's things podcast. There's always a female energy there, a strong female auditor checking that the observations or declarations made aren't lazy, generalised sexist bullshit or every one of my sentences as all they're also know. And that is, of course, today, Lindsay Kane. Hello, hello. My darling wife, it says here. In <laughs> Let me just, they spelled, they spelled darling wrong. Let me just... You're such a wanker. Okay, so we are going to kick straight off. We're talking about finances today. I had to because I've never... It's like the Einstein of finance and property we have with us today. And I know, I know from the heart-rending messages I get when I show them to Lindsay from men struggling with all different types of things, but always at the core of it is this feeling like I'm not a man because I haven't provided. And at the core of that, something's gone wrong financially. It might feel old-fashioned. It might feel like something from the 1960s to you lot trying to get twiggered on Twitter. Meanwhile, back on planet Earth, I get suicidal men up from age 21 to 61 messaging me. So something's fucking going wrong here, either in the way we relate to money, the way we salivate after it and we've got our priorities wrong, but probably also in the way we behave around it and some of our behaviours. Let's just get straight fucking into it. The management, the supply of money, finances, and straight off with an impossible to answer question, Rob. So we only ask you to answer it in your experience, which is massive, you know, you hold lots of talk, lots of forums, lots of courses, and you attend lots of things. But have you noticed any gender patterns with how savvy people are with money? No, I haven't noticed that men or women differ in their savvy. I have noticed the pressure and the responsibility of earning is definitely weighted more inside the mind of the male than the female. I mentor many males and many females of all ages to start and scale their business, to make, manage and multiply money. And it seems, generally speaking, the females would have less external pressure and therefore put less pressure on themselves. And it wouldn't necessarily be the be all and end all. And there wouldn't necessarily be a societal imposition or expectation on them. Mm. Whereas males seem to beat themselves up inside and outside that turns into pride where, look, I'm okay. I'm managing this. I don't need any help. So back off. I've got this. Where secretly, you know, they're drowning in bills and debts. Now, this is not a shed load of generic research that's been done. This is me being an entrepreneur for 16 years and training and mentoring hundreds of thousands of people. So I feel like we had a chat about this, Russell. You, I think, very accurately pointed out that if a female is struggling with something, she'll message in her 
WhatsApp group of friends and everyone will stop everything in WhatsApp and they'll go and meet face to face and they'll all be open and expressive about their problems and they'll rally together in support. Whereas a man wouldn't even do that. And if he did, all the other men would be like, shut up, don't worry about it, yeah. crack on, let's have a beer, fuck off. Yeah. And- Basically. <laughs> Didn't realise you'd been added to my group, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, my specialism is entrepreneurs, starting scale-ups and business owners, not just so much in the employed world. But I, I see that a lot there. And I know a lot of people's financial problems and challenges, and they hide it, and they don't admit it, and they cover it up because they want to appear strong. Mm. Linz, I mean, that, what a powerful opening statement that is. There's so much in there that I can identify with and people that I've met and things that I've heard. Do you think taking care of your finances, though, is, is seen as a masculine trait even now, 2023? I, th- I think so, yeah. I think definitely it's still, like, naturally, you're obviously the main the earner in the house and obviously I then for now, look at, for, for now. yeah for now but <laughs> but it, you know it, that's just the role that we're playing from when we had a little girl but the pressure is on you really so I think that is a, a lot of the case for a lot of people but not for everyone I think the roles are changing but predominantly I think that is the case still do you think all being things being equal though women might be better at it? I mean it has the only thing we've got to study this on is how men versus women save and every study that's been done in various cultures I mean I've got one here in front of me but there are several of them one from Bankrate found that although both genders save less than 10% of their income nearly 30% of women save more than that compared to 21% of men women seem better at saving and investment across all demographies across all populations I think that may also be risk aversion yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. Men live less long and die more frequently. We are lemmings. <laughs> we, yeah, we just, yeah. Our risk profile is higher. We don't directly have to manage children. Yeah. We do, of course, in our family unit. But I think there's a risk element to that as well, yeah. But so, Linz, do you think not... I mean, we need to be careful here, bloody hell, in 2023. But, but do you think being risk-averse is always a good thing, Linz. Do you not think that we do need some risk takers? I mean, obviously, if you go take it to the extremity, you're in a fucking rocket with Elon Musk. Risk taking is associated both with the losers, but the winners as well. That's a difficult thing to admit, isn't it? I mean, I'm t- talking from my experience. My mum and dad are very, like, they, they wouldn't take any risks or, or invest in anything because of the worry. Oh, you know, whereas I'm a bit of a, I would say I'm a bit of a risk taker, really. There's so many things that I've tried, tested, worked, didn't work, fuck it, move on, on to the next type thing. That's just my mentality. So I'm weird that I've been brought up with quite cautious parents, but I'm not necessarily like that. Is that because I'm able to be a bit more risk-taking because of... I don't know. I actually don't know what the answer is to that. Russell, I have this quote. Go on, Rob. You know you know what I'm trying to say, but I'm scared of saying, is that because men take more risks, they can do more things. I've said it now. Fuck it. Yeah, well, I mean, all the people who die building the buildings, whether it's in Qatar or whether it was a skyscraper for 100 years ago or the pyramids tens of thousands or how many years ago, they're, they're mostly men, aren't they? Yeah. So men are more suited to higher risking roles. That might be part the reason why we live slightly less long by a few years. I don't necessarily think that nature needs both men and women to be as high risk taking. I think for nature, it would maybe be best if one 
sex, which of course, going back thousands of years, there were two sexes. I think there's 932,461 now. But yeah, yeah. Back then, there were only two. Actually, I've, there is another one. I've just seen an email. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we don't necessarily need or want for women to have the same risk threshold as men, unless women are changing their roles and they're becoming more of the money earner and the breadwinner, which, of course, is happening more than it used to now. It's more societal rather than inborn then, in your opinion. Yeah, and, and, and maybe evolutionary, which is, I think, linked to society. What is our current role? If you are a single mum, your role has to change if you are not able to have enough money to live from your separation, for example, or if you're a female and you actually want to be an entrepreneur and you want your own career and your own identity and you don't just want to be a mum. I have noticed because I have 144 staff here, in, mostly in this building and some outsource. And I talk to the senior managers who are women, you know, and they say they feel they could have earned more, but they had to put raising their children and the gap in their career for maternity and things ahead of their career. And that's a factor because men don't have to do that. Hmm. But of course, I want to say one thing that hopefully will be helpful to men. There's a fine line, but there's a difference between pressure and responsibility. And responsibility is feeling valuable, useful, and somewhat proud without hubris that you get to make a living for your family. Whereas it, when it moves on to the side of pressure, which is distress, negative stress, you stress is positive stress, distress is negative stress. When it goes to pressure, that's when it can all start to break, when you feel the weight of it all. Mm. So if people are feeling pressure, just try and move it over into the positive side on the other side of the line, which is responsibility. Because it actually feels really good to provide for your family. It feels good to be financially well and successful. You know, people say money doesn't make you happy. Fucking does, in my opinion. I've been rich and I've been skint, and I can tell you I'm a lot happier with money. Yeah. I've never arrived in a luxury holiday and gone, well, that's not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, certainly up past a certain threshold anyway, where you've got a, you know, a home that you like, you've got transport to get around and you can afford a decent holiday every year. And that takes a lot of fucking money, sadly, Ooh. these days. A lot. I'll tell you where the paradox is, Lindsay, though. So, uh, you know, men holding it in about their finances and not discussing it yet. And this is only anecdotal on my part. Men seem really happy to sit talking around, oh, that job, that was a two grand job. Yeah, that was that after tax, almost getting their tax returns out in front of each other. Whereas I hear women trading figures less. So yeah. we live in a, weir a weird place where men are keeping secret their negative stuff, but displaying peacock feather their finances at every opportunity. Well, at least me and the lads do. Particularly when we were younger, we would be like, oh, I can't fucking got for that. I did fuck all. We're like, doing a lap of honour. I think it's quite an American thing. I think Americans like to talk about money, don't they? And they, they're not really bothered how that comes across. And I think British people tend to be a little bit... Um, but I think what people now are doing more is that, especially in the property world, which I've seen, is like a humble brag and, you know, it's that side of things. So they're doing it in a... Oh, just doing it so casually, just dropping it in. Oh, what, driving a shit car on purpose? No, just like, you know, just like dropping in, just like casual, you know business class flights and you know oh this is what you could oh, do right, if, yeah. if you if crafty you do, showing off come crafty on property 
Yeah, but it's like, oh, if you come in the property world and, you know, I don't know, I, I see it a lot. It's like, look, does anyone, think this, does anyone think this is cramp? And then you can just see their palatial residence in the background. Yeah, it's like, if you're going to do it, just go for it. Don't, just don't go, my house is massive, it. give me some likes, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't it be refreshing? Just someone going, this is my house, can you give me some likes for being wealthy? Well, you can either say fuck off or not, at least we all know what's going on. What about the idea of financial goals? That feels like a slightly nerdy, on-the-spectrum, collecting model aeroplanes type thing to do. And it feels like men might be better at it. I don't know. Financial goals. I'm going to do this saving. I'm going to save for an amount. But the evidence suggests women are better at saving. But overall financial goals, in your experience, Rob, how are men at setting goals? And how important are financial goals is the bigger question, really. It's really difficult to break it into man, woman. Well, let's just talk about goals then. Overall, financial goals, are they important or should you just like some you? I'm really into books, right? No shit. And uh, some of my favourite novelists don't even know what their character's going to do when they start writing. That blows the mind of some other novelists who I love who spend months doing structure and colouring in. And the last thing they do is put the prose in. Is it the same in the financial world? Can you just be a sort of like expressionist Jeff Bezos just going from one thing to the other, making money? Or do you always have to set goals? Well, you cannot master what you do not measure. So I've just had five hours in a board meeting going through profit and losses and vast amounts of sales and marketing data. And without that information, I would not know the health of my business. So what you said about what Jeff Bezos does, I don't think he does. He might look like that. No, 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 no. No, I mean, I mean, could you be a, a non-goal-setting Jeff Bezos? And successful, is that what you mean? Can you float around life with no care or direction in the world and land at the richest person in the world? No. So do you think that that is like the key thing to be successful? You have to set and set goals and plan ahead? Well, it's one of them. There are many fa factors. You need resilience, consistency, persistence, yeah. grand vision, build a great team. You know, there are many, but... I know for a fact, because I watch him say it, Jeff Bezos said he knew where Amazon was going to be five years before it got there because he was being interviewed. And someone said, you've had a good quarter this financial fiscal year. And he went, yeah, I knew that five years ago. Yeah. So he was working five years plus ahead on his revenue targets. If you have external shareholders, you have to show them all of your financial projections, your budget, your actual, your variance, etc. So yeah, I mean, if you had a gun to my head and you're saying, Rob, can you become a multimillionaire without financial goals, yes or no? Pff, I would say no. You cannot master what you do not measure. You are far more likely to be successful. Here's the, the irony. People plan their holiday more than they plan their finances. Mm. How stupid is that? And like you said about us, it, you know, you were both quite sceptical and somewhat sarcastic about humble brags and <laughs> braggery on social media. What's wrong with that? Like what? Is... Yeah, you you don't you don't do a humble brag, Rob. You're just like, look at my car. No, that, I'm not. That's not humble. No. That, that's... Do you know what? Most of my cards have never been pictured. Most of my watches have never been pictured. I only did a um drone shot of some of my properties on Instagram this weekend. I have 360 properties, 1,250 tens. I've never shown pictures of them until this weekend, 16 years later. But if I don't give other people the permission to do it, they're not going to do yeah. it because. Why are we not open talking about money? Why is it a, a social faux pas to mention yes. an amount yeah. of money that you made? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. 
I know. I, I well, mm. like I said, I think we are changing. But I think traditionally British people are a little bit. Oh, we don't. You know, you don't talk about that. You know, it's bad mannered. Or, but I think that is changing. Like I, I'm not offended. Like if anything, I find it inspiring hearing people tell their stories of success. I find it really inspiring. But that's just me. But somebody else would go. You know, when I've spoken to them, someone recently, they're like, "Oh, good, you talk a lot about money." I'm like, "But I, I'm not. I'm talking about you know things that I want to do or you know and and." I don't see a problem with it. What I find interesting from a society point of view is, oh, you talk a lot about money with the, is the word inference that it's negative. Yeah, I, see, I, I don't think it is seen as negative personally. No, but British people do and British yeah. people are more sceptical. And then, like, it's interesting listening to you both discuss because I've studied money a lot. I wrote the UK's best-selling book yeah. on money called Money. I've studied this a lot. Wait there, wait, you just called it money. That was a short brainstorm, wasn't it? <laughs> it actually took a year to go all the way around to calling it money. <laughs> Sorry, I've stopped you mid-flow. Yeah. Right, it's all right. But isn't it interesting? Like, if we were to rewind a few minutes and just analyse you both talking about money, essentially there's the second guessing about what other people might say about what, me, what we might say about money. Imagine if you didn't give a yeah. fuck. Yeah. yeah. Because if I said, hey, Lindsay, Russ, here's my CV. You'd go, you yeah. might go, oh, nice. But if I put that on social media and a list of assets, you might go, oh, you braggy wanker. Well, essentially, it's just a CV, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose as well, the reason why you can get away with doing it, but say someone like Russell couldn't, is because you are an entrepreneur and you want people to invest in you. So you want to show what, well, this is what, listen, this is what I've managed to achieve and I can help you achieve that too. A better example would be a, a politician like Rishi Sunak, I think, Linz. But someone that yeah. we want to benefit us and do the heavy lifting, but we don't want to be reminded that they're successful. I mean, that's such a complex yeah. psychological position that Brits have ended up in. Well, compare that to Donald <laughs> Trump when he was American yeah. president, which is almost the opposite, bragging about his gamification of the tax code. And he is, you know, at one time, he was one of the most lauded American entrepreneurs. Our political mm. system is different. We wouldn't be able to get entrepreneurs in the current system of yeah. voting. But that just shows the cultural difference. Honestly, I prefer the American outlook to money and enterprise and entrepreneurship, personally. Do you think that cultural difference has a real impact on wealth generation in this country? Or does it just mean we don't talk about the wealth we're generating as much? I think it has an impact. Yeah, I do. For example, the legalities around company structure in America are more relaxed so that there's less implication on you if you go bust. And the more strict the rules are on going bust, the less risk you'll take to start a company. The less strict the rules are, the more risk you'll take to start a company. And in America, you are perceived and lauded as an entrepreneur risk taker. That's a good thing if you've gone bust twice. Yeah. <laughs> You're seen as a reject of society if you have in the UK. Do you know, funnily enough, it draws a brilliant analogy with um, comedy because, don't get me wrong, I'm a very successful comedian, but the ones that every all the comedians and The Guardian all masturbate about are the people that have bombed regularly or had real artistic failures that show they're really pushing boundaries. Oh my God, well, what do you expect? Of course, Stuart Lee went on and bombed in the O2. That's how good he is. <laughs> Whereas if you do too well, there's a suspicion about it. <laughs> yeah, well, Russell, I think we talked about this quite a lot on the um, podcast I interviewed you on because, you know, when I was a struggling artist and I was anti-capitalism and I love Rage Against the Machine, I would think the similar sort of thing whereby it was better to be a true artist who's broke and dies for your art than to sell out commercially like Coldplay. 
But actually, <laughs> there's a skill and an art to scaling and still being good at your art. No, no, boy, you, you misunderstand what I mean. Stuart Lee has scaled more than me, but he's got he, now and again, he'll do a nice high profile bombing at an event where lots of people, they're proving that he's at the very edge of risk taking right. and comedy creation. Do you see what I mean? He's yeah. done the model. Done the, he will hate being compared to American capitalism. And I do hope you hear this, Stuart, because I love it when I get one of your emails. But the fact is, you are Donald Trump. Um, so uh, what about this idea of, this is all very well, risk-taking and um, wealth creation, but this idea of knowing when enough is enough. I feel like, as a man, once I'm on the casino table, if I really get on it, it can be quite hard to get off, even though I know it's time. I feel like men are worse at that, whereas girls are a bit better. The girls, I've women I've known at least, at going, actually, emotion out here, enough is enough. Whereas the ego starts to blend with the risk. And it's clear you're going to lose. But you're like, fuck it, I'm putting this money on Gary. I'm doing it. Yeah, I, I think if we separate the species out and what initially our roles may have been, we need to be the hunters and women need to be the protectors. So just looking at it from that point of view, of course, very simplistically and, and very much in the past, it would make sense that a, a woman may want to more protect what she's built that she's happy with because that is in her nature to protect the children that she has conceived and is raising. Whereas we need to go out and bash more animals over the head and we need to go and procreate a lot more. Yes, mate. See you in IB for next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm privileged to get an invite. That's good. <laughs> Has anyone seen Rob? He just killed an antelope up on that mountain. <laughs> So I actually love this discussion, Russell, because for me, why do we ever have to stop? And why does enough ever have to be enough as a male? Why can we not plan each financial year or each year and have new goals? And because here's the thing, I bet you if you'd peaked at the pinnacle of your comedic career and you'd achieved everything that you'd ever wanted, and you're like, oh, that's enough. I bet you within three months of doing nothing, Lindsay's kicking you out, you're <laughs> eating all of those books on that bookshelf, driving everybody absolutely <laughs> wild, because in your nature, you need to continue to grow. Yeah. Very true. That should be the same for anyone listening to this. And people are like, it's all right for you, you're a comedian. It's like every job I've done, even when I was stuffing envelopes, I was like, how can we do this differently? What if I get promoted next week? When I was training to be a teacher, my pitch to get on the PGC course I had all these ideas. You can always embody that spirit, even if it seems like you're stuck in one track, because you never know where the little turning might pop up. Do you, do you think we can fix society, though, so it's set up for, I mean, I've got a daughter, so that it's set up more fairly for women. Do you not think we could do something really simple with regard to finances and provide proper free childcare from birth for all children? Would, would that not solve this pay gap issue we've got between men and women? Because then it would always be a choice. Always, rather than, well, what choice have we got? One of us has got to stay home. It makes sense for it to be her. And women's wages would eat. There's some evidence in Scandinavia that this works. You can have 7 p, seven a.m. to 7 p.m. childcare from as early as you like. Is it not a, a decision we could make to make this more equal? I mean, free childcare would cost the government hundreds of billions, likely. That's got to come from somewhere. And also, 
why are we looking for everything in society to be equal for men and women when men and women are different? The opportunity to be equal, not having to be equal. It's just that, so if Lindsay gave birth, gave birth, she could, if she wanted, but doesn't have to, but if she wanted, she'd go, well, actually, I want to fucking go, but as soon as I can stand upright and walk normal, two, three weeks, fuck this, I'm going back to work, you figure it out. It should be an option, surely. That for me is a wildly complicated question um, <laughs> because I'm not necessarily traditional in the sense that the woman looks after the house, cooking and children, and the men go out to battle. But that is, in our sexes, how it has been for thousands of years. And because information and technology grows so much quicker than we can keep up, everything like sexual identities and roles and responsibilities are getting questioned so much quicker than we can evolve in our natural biological inclinations. So to try and so quickly completely change society to give all women, even though some women don't even want to be women, and some women want to look after their kids, equal opportunity to do something which is traditionally not their role is a really complicated question. And I don't necessarily know that it is our government's responsibility to do that, bearing in mind they've fucked everything else up. They're 2.3 trillion in debt. We're going to be paying back COVID lockdown and everything else for the next millennia. So the school and education system are built and designed such that you can become an employee of the system so you are essentially incubated by the system so you can feed the system your life. Fascinating shit, though. I tell you, I, I wonder if you've got an opinion on it, Linz. You're, I can never predict what you're going to answer to questions like this. What do you think about the idea that the opportunity should be there? Because the, the reality is, even in 2023, you still sit down, a female of a certain age is sitting in front of a boss, and if she's just got married, that little thought's at the back of his head. Well, what if she gets up the duff? I think the opportunity should be... Like, it does annoy me that the fact that my daughter could go for a job and she's getting paid less than a man, so that does annoy me. But we've got friends who the main breadwinner is the female and the dad's been a stay-at-home dad and he gets judged on the drop-off at school. People don't True. sort of, like, say hello to him because he's, you know, and it that that annoys me equally. That really pisses me off. Yep. Not, you yep. know, so for, for me personally, in my experience... Even if it was an option, and it, I guess it was an option because at the time, you know, you were touring and you were like, listen, if, if we need to hire some sort of childcare and help, because we were living in London at the time, we didn't really have the family around to help out as and when needed, you know, you did offer to get help. And I was like, no, no, I want I don't want to have a kid just for somebody else to bring it up. I don't judge people that do have nannies and all that. I really don't. I've got lots of friends with nannies. Um, but I just personally, for me, I wanted to build that bond you know, hopefully I've got a nice bond with my child. But now I'm like, no, I'm ready now. I, I did start a business when I was pregnant because I didn't want to be stuck at home doing nothing. I wanted to be work based, you know, based from working at home. So I wanted to have the option to do that. But I now I'm like, no, I'm ready to get back at it. That That's what I want to do. What about this idea, Rob, that it's more expensive 
to be a woman. Bear with me. I mean, they call it pink tax. It's not, you know, I'm not making, I'm not like a raging lefty making this up. It is more expensive. To, the same product made for a man is always slightly more expensive for a woman. Razors. All of it. Tam- tampons, mm. everything like that that the women need tends to be proportional. Not that men need tampons. Well, as opposed to the tampons that the men need. I uh, know, I was just thinking that. <laughs> Listen, a few of my mates definitely have monthly cycles, miserable fuckers. And uh, sorry, no disrespect. Yeah, actually, a yeah, disrespect to you, Liam. And, uh, but the uh, but what I, what I mean is, it's the estimate is that a pink tax costs a woman an additional thirteen hundred a year, meaning that products advertised as feminine that were available for men, not tan packs, obviously, cost more. So yeah. it's actually more expensive to be female, and these margins make a massive difference. If I'm like when I first started this business, when I was trying to earn like three hundred quid a week, I think I was earning when I started stand up. Things like that made a difference. The cost of living made a difference between a, a failure and a successful project. Thirteen hundred pounds is like a, that's more than a month's mortgage. It's double two months mortgage. Well, it's probably about a month's mortgage now. Thanks, Rishi. I imagine insuring a man is a lot more than insuring a woman. I'm not sure that's in the pink tax because I know what my car insurance is like compared to my wife's. (laughs) Yeah. Five grand. That's because you're going 0 to 60 in (laughs) 1.9 seconds, Rob. (laughs) So I, I think that there's probably reverse data, which would probably make that a little bit more balanced. Look, I'm a believer Mm. that things are the way they are because they're supposed to be the way they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the way they are based on the differences that we have. And then over time, evolution and fair competition and disruption disrupts out the things that are wrong as society evolves and brings in the things that are new. So a lot of people see this pay gap as a major issue. I don't know. I I know a lot of people aren't going to like me when I say this, but... I believe that you are paid what you are worth. And I believe that you are paid in exchange to the value you produce for society as perceived by also society judging your value. Because some people say, well, why are nurses paid so little? Because society clearly doesn't judge nurses as highly as it does footballers. And society is responsible. So my highest paid staff member is female. And there was very regularly along our journey where many of our senior members were female and they were paid more than their male senior member equivalents. So if someone is good, they're always going to rise to the top. And if someone wants a more equal opportunity, then there are things they can do now, like read books, go on courses, get information on the Internet, listen to podcasts, etc. You know, you read a load of books. Russell, which, you know, obviously improves your information. The reason, if you level it out, women may generally be paid less than men is because they're not quite able to offer as much value because they have the added addition of raising a child and that time out and that risk to the employer. Not saying that's right or wrong, but interesting with, with Lindsay, it was the same with my wife. I absolutely said to my wife, if you want to go and build your career, let's do it. I'll back you everything we need to do. Let's do. We are a team. We are a family dynamic. And she said, I want to look after our children. I don't want to outsource my children. I'd rather outsource my business. So actually, when a lot of women have children, they make the choice of their children at the expense of their career, which, to be quite frank, I think is a smart move. I only delayed my career by a couple of years because I'm not 100 million percent 
in you know my last business because I was I was you know spending a lot of time with the daughters but now I've only just delayed it you know I'll get there eventually what about borrowing okay now this is easier to measure men borrow more than women in relation really? to their income and in relation to what they have the only type of debt where women exceed men guess what student loans that's probably because more women go to university because ironically given everything we said there cleverer than men <laughs> every single that. fucking academic measure you can do anyway that's for another episode so this was done by Experian and Vanguard not exactly minor players doing this research is this does this come back to the risk question or is there something else going on about status Rob help why are men borrowing so much money yeah I think risk is an element and the fact that we are more of a reckless sex so I'd have to look at where is that money being borrowed? Is that money borrowed into starting a business? Is that money borrowed into investing in an asset? Is that money borrowed against appreciating liabilities like cars? And is it getting into bad debt? So I'd have to look at that closely to be able to judge. But I would say higher risk threshold and more reckless sex is probably why that's higher. Linz, I mean, the elephant in the room here as well, I think if anything's changed in the last 20 years about how people conduct themselves financially with debt and everything else is social media. Yeah. When I was... When I was growing up, before the war, um, <laughs> there was, before the COVID war of 2020, all I had to worry about was, right, number two, number 237, he's got an Escort Mark II RS. Oh my God, I'd love to have an RS Turbo one day. Wait a minute, my cousin's leased that. How comes my cousin Natalie's the first one to buy a house? That was enough, man. That was enough fucking pressure. My cousin Natalie, number 248, and the, and the drug dealer from the school having all the stuff and me wanting to break the law but not having the courage. That was enough pressure. Now, all I've got to do is switch on my phone and I can see Ramesh having his back waxed by the top back waxer in <laughs> London before getting on a private jet and then I'm having a bad day. So what role is... Not really, that was not really Ramesh, but I'm pretending <laughs> to be one of those people that are. I'm actually quite good at keeping my status reference points healthy ones, but I'm a massive, massive exception and social media does not help. I'm only human. And sometimes you switch it on and, you know, Bobby Jangles, who's got a social media channel, thinks I'll try stand up and has sold like 300,000 tickets. And I'm like, oh, remember what Rob said, society only pays what you're worth. But yeah, I can't. I feel like shit on an emotional level. And maybe I'll take, maybe I would borrow money to promote my social channel idiotically, or maybe I would do something financially responsible. What role does social media have in changing the way we interact with finances negatively. We'll move on to the positive, people like yourself, in a moment. But I'm interested in, is it having a negative impact on the way we conduct ourselves financially? Yes, I think it really is. Because we would previously live in a village or a town or a tribe. And we wouldn't really know what it was like to be outside of that. And we wouldn't know what other cultures are like. And we wouldn't really compare ourselves, therefore, to anyone else. And we'd probably make sure we behaved relatively within the rules of the group or the tribe or the village. Otherwise, we get kicked out and that's bad news. And now all of a sudden, if you imagine, you've got a little village, but 8 million people have been thrown into that little village. And we're looking at all these different people that we don't really understand and all these different genders and cultures and races and generations with a letter after their name. And it's highly confusing and it's highly overwhelming. So that's one thing. And because technology moves much faster than evolution does and information flows much faster than evolution does. And yeah, the thing we have now, which we never really had, was the curse of comparison. Because my only envy came previously if my mate had a better set of trainers or a remote control car. That would be where my envy came from. Your and triggers. now <laughs> it's everything. 
Yeah. It's, you know, your lips, your face, your fucking Botox, your clothes, where you are in the world. But it's, it's everything. So comparison has now become a curse rather than an aspiration. 20 years ago, all right, my mate's got better trainers. I want to work harder to get better trainers. Now this comparison is, brings up the green-eyed monster and the self-loathing and all of that. And because it's so fucking relentless, like multiple di- times a day we get it. I'm like you, Russell, I have to check myself and go, wait a minute, this isn't real. Have they posted the truth? Have they photoshopped it? Careful, that's their mission. This is your mission. Stay in your lane. And if you can learn to do that, not be affected by comparing yourself to others, your emotional well-being and your mental health is going to be so much better. Me and Lindsay have both read this book at the same time by Will Storr, which I'd recommend to everyone called The Status Game. Is it a case of working hard to make sure that you're within your correct status group, i.e. you're not playing silly games like logging on to see what jet Rihanna's on and then having a shit day because you're on Avanti? Do you know what I mean? It's like, actually, these are my friends I grew up with. We're all, we've, yeah, some of us done better than others, but we've all got each other's backs and just keep it cir- that circle correct. You could even play it more cynically and make sure the pond stays slightly too small for you. We know plenty of people are, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with staying in a smaller status pond, comparison pond, psychologically speaking? I think it depends, Russell, on our individual leanings and the things we struggle with. If you really struggle with your mental health because you're always comparing yourself to other people and feeling shit about where you are in your life, that being the big goldfish in in the little cellophane (laughs) may be a good thing. But actually, in entrepreneurship, we all talk about you want to be the, the least wealthy person in the boardroom because then you're learning from all the, you know, I'd rather have 11 billionaires and little old Rob than me be the big fish because I'm going to learn and grow more from the billionaires. So it depends how you can contextualize it. So I've learned yep, to yep. look at people who are more successful instead of going, you're a better person, you know, you're more worthy. I just go, you're more experienced and you've learned how to make more money than me. Oh, but I've got A, B and C as well and I'm going to learn from you. And Linz, from a female point, well, there's two ways. Obviously, you've got the same shit that men have got. The girl, you know, the female entrepreneur who's doing this, that and the other has got the sports car and the handbags, which I imagine is the same for girls as it is for boys. But isn't there this slightly bizarre thing of women presenting the wealthy male and they're in the background like that, enjoying the wealthy shit with them? That's a bizarre one I see on social media a lot. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, you, see, you see it all the time. Well, status is one of our measurables, isn't it? is something that we, we can measure against others and we can get our, like, recognition and importance is a very high human need. And so whether it's your husband or your jet or your business or your watch or your holiday, or here's the thing, the flex that isn't a flex. I bust a lot of people do, look at my car that isn't expensive. Yeah, you're just bragging about the fact that you haven't bought an expensive car, but you could. Yes, yeah. inverted status game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. all about comparison to other humans. Um, I haven't read this book, so I'll have to do more research. Oh, it's on. so oh, it's amazing. Will's, all Will Storr's books are bangers. He's, he's, a, he's a, a proper qualified psychologist. You know, he's not just like taking it up as a writing hobby. He fucking knows his shit. They're all amazing. The status game and selfie, which is what we're talking about, which is how our brains have changed since we started performing our emotions into phones. 
both bangers. Read them together. Status game and selfie. A good brace of homework reading. Sorry, Linz. But Louis Theroux on the Stephen Bartlett CEO podcast, he was talking about how, you know, he could afford a watch, but he's quite happy with his Casio and he has two just in case he loses one. So it's that playing the fact that he could afford it, but he's choosing not still to. A flex. That within itself is still, is still, still a, a flex, game. Still a flex, Louis. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still letting you know that I could afford it, but I'm not doing it. So it is but interesting. You know why that it? is? It, He's, we all know his money doesn't jiggle, jiggle it fast. So he need to come. <laughs> <laughs> One last question on social media, because uh, we'll have to be brief, because I want to squeeze in a quick bit on relationships at the end. But what about the dangerous social media trend of pushing financial things that idiots like me don't understand? I don't, I don't, I'm sure I could have made money from crypto. I'd love, I thought a fungible was something you, you know, got medicine for or grew under a sink that was damp. And you get blokes like Danny the Tyler talking about his non-fungible token and then a few months later he's fucked. It seems to be like there's an online feeding frenzy of people getting involved in financial things they don't know anything about. And I would even, something I dabble in on the side, it's my retirement plan property, a lot of people get sucked into that not really understanding. It's a very high risk thing to do. So to social media, is it dangerous with these things as well? It provides as much information as it provides as many traps, right? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it, Russell, because essentially over the ages, the exchange of information has got faster and faster and faster and faster. And as it increases that speed and reduces the friction, there are many upside benefits in that you could learn what might take you 12 years in one year. You can accelerate your earning capacity. You can learn about different cultures. You can essentially get around and learn about the planet much quicker. But the downside is with that flow of useful information at that speed comes the flow of the shit information at that speed as well. Like when trains were, you know, rail was laid because steel production was scaled. Then as rail was laid through scaled production of steel, then you had railway and railway increased our speed of travel to the benefit. It also dramatically increased robberies because obviously the robbers could get on the train and rob the train and get from city to city much quicker to rob the towns and the cities. This is normal. People look at these scams like, oh, they've never happened before. And it's because of social media and it's really bad, but actually it's just evolution because there's an equal upside benefit. What I would say to people is this, it's really simple. Number one, don't try and get rich too fucking quick. Try and get rich long, slow, and for sure, number one. Just like lovemaking. Number two, if you're going to invest in something risky, invest an amount of money you can afford to lose. So if you get rich long, not get rich quick, and you can invest an amount of money you can afford to lose, then you are protected. So you can't really blame anyone else who's selling you a load of shit if you fell for it by giving them all your money. Give them 5% of your money. Linz, what do you think the rise of people that seem to be overly qualified in things overly quickly? I mean, there was some bullshit artists when I was growing up, but these days, you've only got to go onto your Instagram or your Facebook, and there's, obviously we've got our vaccine experts, our Brexit experts, our Russo-Ukrainian political experts, all of those, but also financial experts. And they'll be like, I can remember you when you used to sell fucking pickled eggs down the pub. How are you a Bitcoin expert? Or 17-year-olds on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember saw someone recently uh, post, he's like a business coach. So he used to rent from someone that I know. 
and they were like, you never used to pay his rent, you used to, you fuck up, and, and but he'd have a really expensive car outside the rented house. So I've seen a lot of his stuff and, and I've seen him share like, you know, I, I'm earning this amount of money now, but this is what it used to be like for me. For years, I used to rent my dad's box room and I'd pay this a month. And then, yeah, you know, but basically he wasn't being honest about what he used to do, uh, but he's telling all these lies to get customers to come to him, but actually he's not transparent of where he's come from mm. and how he's got to where he's got. So if mm-hmm. I didn't know that personal bit that I really shouldn't know, I would think, oh my God, he's done so well, he's successful, but actually he's not being very transparent. Brilliant example of, uh, of, of, of social media being a snapshot, a trailer rather than the full film. I'm sure we can talk about that for ages. I've got to just talk about relationships because all very well are saying, well, we should talk about finances. Why should it be embarrassing? Meanwhile, there are lots of single men who want to be successful on a date and then into the bedroom. And if you start getting out an Excel spreadsheet on the first date, they're going to think you've got some sort of disorder rather than an openness about your finances. That said, when it comes to financial literacy, it is an attractive quality in a partner. But how do you play it in a new relationship? Because if you're on a guy, particularly a guy in your 20s, and you're going out on a date with a girl, and you're like, well, we could go for a wild night at the nightclub, but I've exceeded my spending targets for this. Mate, your night is over. (laughs) But yet, once you get into a relationship, a guy that isn't skin and does know when to stop can be attractive. It's very confusing for men to know how to play. I know I'm simplifying it to make a joke, but I promise you a lot of guys just end up frozen with sort of date paralysis not knowing the correct financial conduct in those initial weeks of courtship. Lindsay, help us out. What is attractive? Financial literacy or a guy that goes, fuck it, man, we'll pay for it next week. It's a bit of both, isn't it? It can't be both. Listen, 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 I've got an interesting story. I'll try and say it really quick. I've got a friend who says that she's a feminist, but she's like, you know, loves having the doors open for and all these different things and loves being paid for. And um, I said, all right, okay, so if your husband who you've been with said we need to go halves on the first meal, would you have gone on a second date? I was just having a conversation. Like, I wouldn't have been bothered either way. It's her opinion. But she would not answer the question. She was offended that I was questioning her, like, the fact that she's a full-blown feminist. She she was offended of me asking that question. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get in a, an argument. I'm just literally asking a question. You're, you're preaching that you're a feminist, and you can't answer the question of if your husband asked you to go 50-50 on the first meal, would you have gone on a second date? She just couldn't answer the question. Still to this day, yes. I don't know the answer to that. It's <laughs> brilliant. We just watched we, we just watched a brilliant film. It's in the cinemas at the moment. Go and see it called The Triangle of Sadness. It's a bit arty, <sighs> but it is funny. It's all about wealth. The journey starts on a yacht with all the rich people. They get shipwrecked and all the value system inverts. It's, it's fascinating because it goes back to who can catch fish, who can be to shelter. So all of a sudden, well, the meaning of wealth is inverted. Brilliant, brilliant film. But the first scene of the film is before the, the a voyage on the yacht's even been conceived of. And it's a couple who have a massive explosive argument in the early days of dating because he's been waiting now for four dates for her to go halves on the bill. The bill keeps coming down and he's turning away from it. And every time his finger goes near it, she's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your pay. So, Rob, come on. You seem to have all the answers on the finances. But you're on a date. You're single. What is the right bloody thing to do? This question has come up under so many different topics and you've got 50% of women that would want to split the bill, 50% don't. So as a man, what the fuck should you gamble on? Okay, so I'm told, because I've thrown this out onto my social media pages as a question and of course the piranhas have come in and had their nibbles. I'm told 
that the person who asks the other person out on a date should be the one to pay. But that might more be seen if we're doing men versus women to be the man more than the woman. I maybe would take the opposite view of your feminist friend. So on the first date, I would sit with my hands in my pockets when the bill came out to watch the reaction. Because if they're testing me, then I'm testing them. That's so, that is I, so sexy. I bet women are masturbating listening to this story. <laughs> yeah, well, thankfully I'm married, otherwise I clearly would never get a date again. Um, but just Go on, like, carry on. So you just said, like a woman might want to test to see if a man can provide, a man might want to test that he's not getting some gold digger. So... If they're not prepared to even make the gesture to go Dutch on the bill, I might let that get away once on the first date if I ask them out. The second date is Dutch. And if they're expecting me to pay on the second, then I'm seriously going to evaluate that myself. Now, you've also got to look at how they order. If they expect you to pay and they're buying the most expensive shit on the menu every fucking time... I'm going to send them to Russell on a third day. They can go yeah. over there. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to know. Now, let's say you've been courting and there's been this little bit of a dance, but you've figured it out. A good way to do it moving forward once you've gone beyond the initial dating is pay based on what you earn. So it's not fair if I earn a million a year and my potential partner, man or woman or other, earns 20 grand a year, that we go halves on everything. So I would pay maybe four out of every five as we traverse from the initial dating into the more serious parts of the relationship. And I thought that that's quite a smart move. It's a fair move. Fair. And we are out of time, but in a, in a word, the initial question about financial literacy being a sexually attractive quality we know it's attractive in a couple that are about to get married and settle down of course you want your woman to be financially literate your women you want your men we're not talking about that we're talking about these single men now whose ears are now craning into their listening device is it attractive or is it nerdy why is it that darren who spunks his money on coke on the fourth day of the holiday is getting laid more than liam is he though yes Lindsay. he fucking is <laughs> I know because I took a Henry James novel on holiday and I went, I went home with Euros and I didn't even kiss a girl. <laughs> I think it's more attractive for a man to give the appearance that he has the status and the finances to provide for a woman. And if you're too nerdy about your finances, it actually has the opposite effect where you come across like a bit of a skin flint, therefore you maybe can't provide. Ah. And shit in the bedroom. And shit in the bedroom. Hold on, yeah. Lynn. So you, you translate someone who's a financial nerd to be shit. Surely, if I'm financial nerd, I'm going to pay full detail to every aspect <laughs> of the sexual procedure, as I like to call it. <laughs> Even starting a clock to, to demonstrate full value. No, exactly. I just think, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'll be shot down by all the feminists, but I... Go on, do I, it. No, but I, I, I like the fact that on the first meal, you were, you were like, oh, let me get this out. But you did ask me out, so, you know... Exactly, yeah. You know, you were earning more than me, so it's like... So, Lindsay, okay, thank you. on Thanks the second dinner. and the third dates, did you start to offer to pay or pay some? I think I did, but I... We, did, we didn't leave the house. I just went down to the kitchen to refuel. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I think I did, I did, I did... No, I did offer, and Ross, and so I did... So in the early stages of our relationship, just to remind you, Ross, that you obviously used it. If, if Russell gets a bit of time off, like a weekend here, a weekend there, 
he'd be like, oh, should we go get a cheap flight to Paris and we'll go to Paris for the night or go to Amsterdam for the night? Anywhere we could get a cheap flight, but let's go, let's do it. I've got two nights off. And so I did that a couple of times. And then he started asking me, oh, should we go on this trip? And I'd be like, do you know what? I actually can't afford to do this. So I was like, you know, I just feel a bit... And I did, you remember having this conversation with me? I was like, I feel a bit uncomfortable going on all these holidays because I can't afford it. And you were like, no, 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 I, I want to take you. I can, you know, I, I want to take you. And so we did have that there conversation, whether you believe me or not, or you remember it, it did no, happen, I did, Russell. Yeah. Then after me saying it once, and it was like, no, no, then we've never spoken about it since. <laughs> and then I dropped so many carrots on her, she couldn't even raise her oh, hand. Oh, shut up. And that was the end of that. Shut up. Right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. <laughs>